Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where writers sit around, drink tasty beverages, and talk about writing, publishing, and their whole creative process. There will be rants and raves and opinions that may not agree but are lovingly delivered. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today's gallery includes Chaz and Karen Brinchley and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 173, interview with the dynamic writing duo Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. Hello, Sharon and Steve. Hello, hello. Hello, hi. We're dynamic. You are. You are the magic force behind the Liadin universe, and I am so excited about that. There's how many of them? There's 22, 24? How many are out there? <laughs> um, there are 25 in July. Even 25 in July. I'm behind. Amazon will tell you that it is book number 26 of a 25 book series. I have no mm. idea what's going on with that. <laughs> are those all novels or how many of those are? I understand there's collections of short stories too. No, that, that's only the novels there. There's also five collections five collections of short stories with Bain. And then there's been a couple of other collections that don't exactly match it, match um, uh, Bain's the, numbering. They don't really gave stories. So. Didn't, didn't I read somewhere that you were celebrating your 100th title? Yes. Well, 100th collaboration, Salvage Right, comes out in July. Magnificent. It happens to be a Liaden novel. So clearly you get along. I mean, besides just being married and all that. Uh, yeah. It, it, and it, it kind of snuck up on us. The very first time we were working together at all was when we, we were both going to college in, in uh, back both of us sort of going back to college um, after we were adults and Sharon was a um, worked for the University of Maryland. So she got to go to college for free. And, nice. I, and I had been in a relationship and the deal was that I would go back to college and prove that I was um, good enough to be. Um, anyway, the deal was that I would go back to college and, and finish it. And we ended up in a writing class together. And um, the only two grownups. In a creative writing class. Including the professor. No, no, he was. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he, he actually was a, very much, he was an internationally known figure um, of, of some literary import, which was the problem he had, because otherwise everybody else in the class uh, were kids. We're and um, so we ended up sort of being a force in our, for ourselves on that side of the room. And there was the, presser, the professor in the front of the room. And then there was the whole rest of the class, which about 25 kids, I guess. And so we ended up... Um, we had to rebuild that classroom because it was tilted by the time that course was empty. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we, we started out, um, um, didn't realize that we were already doing um, collaborative things really, really quickly. It was automatic. And the um, first thing we wrote, we worked together when we were writing classified ads or, no, no, classified ads for a news, an intergalactic newspaper, the Star Swarm News. Nice. And we were um, writing a zap gun for hire kind of thing. <laughs> that was part of it. Yeah, girl, <laughs> cat girls. One of the um, one of our our customers was opening a casino, and he needed cat girls, and and he needed dealers and things like that. So we were writing these these um, little classified ads together as collaborators. Um, so that that sort of proved it somehow. Yeah, we we were um we see I I happened to be editing editing the Star Swarm news, and we had gotten together uh, at the publisher's house, who was about seventy or eighty miles from from where we lived, 
uh, and we were doing this thing that was filler stuff because he was he was the publisher was busy trying to get uh, somebody on the phone or something. And so we started doing this. And the next thing we knew, he was in, he was standing there watching us. He said, haven't have you guys worked together before? <laughs> so um, it was. Uh, but and at least two of these stories that we did in um, that we did as classified ads ended up being written as fuller stories later on. Oh, Kinsel came from this classified. Uh, yeah, our our first major collaboration, the naming of Kinsel, was a fantasy collaboration, and that grew right out of the um, ads that we were putting together for the Star Swarm News. Cool. So does it make a newspaper? You know, does it make it easier thinking, ah, if I'm writing an ad, what's the story behind the ad? Is that where it comes from? Or Well, we we both had done uh, that kind of work anyway. I was already a, new, a newspaper editor. I had been a newspaper editor and reporter, reporter and et cetera. And Sharon had, for, for her sins, uh, jobs where she had to help people write ads and stuff. And one, one of my um, editors, when I worked on a newspaper in the newsroom, um, had a joke he told, and he said, um, here's a short story. And his short story was um, Young Widower Selling Baby Carriage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So when you had, came up with Liad, and who's, whose brainchild was it, or was it like a 50-50 brainchild? Where did you come, where did this whole universe come from? I mean, that clearly. Would my fault. That would be my fault. Um, I was, um, stop me if you've heard this story. I was kind of a funny looking kid and didn't have any friends. Um, so I made up stories in my head. And the Liadin universe comes directly from the stories that I made up in my head when I was a kid. There was Valkan Yostelium, who was a spy or a scout, and Mary Robertson, and Mary Robertson was, back in those days, I am a child of the 50s, was a soldier, a girl soldier. We didn't have those. Um, and they had adventures together. And then there were the green people. And because I wasn't very good at stories, the green people were key because they were alien. And it was their <laughs> job when Valkan and Mary got into like a dead end in a story I was telling myself. The green people would come along and do something inscrutable. And jump jump them off onto a next onto another track, and then I would continue the story. And um, when when Sharon says she was um, really not not really good at at finishing stories or whatever at the time, when when she and I met, uh, I had had a couple of stories in Amazing Stories, and you know, you back when Ted White was editor, and I'd had some other such things. I'd been to Clarion, and I met. I met Sharon and she was like really telling me she had all these stories in a notebook and stuff. And so I did. And she was a little leery of it because she'd had a she'd had a boyfriend who who was better than she was at anything that she did. And um so she was a little leery of showing me the stories and I looked at them and said okay, okay, um fine. This is this is good. Needs to be filled out a little bit. <laughs> I was writing these wonderful 400-word stories. They were beautiful. Yes, yeah. And um, by that time, I had been, you know, I'd sold three or four stories to Amazing and to a number of the small, uh, the other small press around at the time, and was um, had taught classes at the university as an undergraduate. I was teaching science fiction because nobody else at the school knew it as well as I did. And um, um, Sorry. go. 
Chaz, did you going to say something there? Yeah, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, I think I interrupted you. But um, no, I, the point I wanted to make was, um, Steve, the Leiden universe was basically already a universe when you encountered it, yeah? Uh, it was it was a sketch, um, and Sharon had um, Sharon had. Yeah, I explained it to him one evening um, over a bottle of wine, a large bottle of wine, um, sitting, mm. sitting across sitting across the kitchen table, kind of waving my hands in the air and trying to um, role play things. Yeah, and and what it, and what she had basically were characters, and um, uh, and the idea that there would be two things: one is that there would be conflict. And two was that people were going to um, want to be friends and and or better, and um, that that should go into any story story that she was working with. That there should be some kind of relationship things going on. Back in back in the day, you couldn't just live in science fiction if you were a reader. You, you had to read other things. Um, so I read every science fiction book I could get a hold of, as did Steve. And then I read, you know, nurse books. And oh, well, that's right. Basically, what I wanted to do was to have a story that was the good parts of the science fiction stories and the nurse books. I don't know. I got a very uh, um, Jane Austen feel. Oh, well, that's that's the Regency. Yeah, that's, that's the Regency. Georgette Hare. Um, when, when we got together, we, we both had um, extremely varied reading experience and, and writing experience, too, but reading experience. And uh, so I was trying to explain to her. Um, that I had been to the the hair tea at one of the world cons, and I said, "What on earth is a hair tea?" What's a hair tea? Yes, it, <laughs> it sounded strange to her, and I explained about Georgia Hare, and she said, "No, I've never heard of this person." So yeah. I swapped him. He swapped me Georgia Hare, and I swapped him Dorothy Sayers. Oh, that's uh, fair. I love Dorothy Sayers and the Peter, oh, yeah. and um, that suited the it 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 suited what we what we needed. Honestly, when, space and and Regency romances are terrific together. Now there's a a side story here is that once upon a time uh, we were sort of between things, and I said, you know, there's a couple of stories that got written. There were three novels that got published, and the character's name is Anthony Villiers. Ah, of course. And. We, Star I don't think Starwell and the Third Revolution, and I don't remember. I'm going to skip it at the moment. They're over here somewhere, in my, I think. But anyways, um, it was um, one, two, three. I have, I have the name of the, of the Alexi, character. Alexi it was, was Alexi because I, I thought of him as Anthony myself at the time. Okay. If you've ever read any of um, Alexi Panchin's yes, uh, stuff, uh, well. Yeah. He, he had gotten himself a contract to write uh, as a moneymaker. He, he saw it. He figured he would just turn out these cute little 70,000 word novels. Yeah. And they were going to all be um, hidden, in effect, Regency romance adventure action uh, about a, a ne'er do well. Mm-hmm. And um, I had tried to, I, I had asked because that uh, after a while, Alexei couldn't do it anymore. He, he just wasn't. He couldn't he see the. Out. Yeah, he ran out. He had. He wrote three of them in about six weeks, I think. <laughs> and, and and then his brain fell apart, and, and as it would. <laughs> and um, so anyway, he'd written he'd written these novels, and so we already had the feel for space adventure, mm-hmm. 
and we already had uh, we had the the reading background between us um, for for it. And um, well, Sharon can probably tell you how 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 it precipitated out of the ether the series. What did he's looking at me meaningfully? Oh yes, yes, of course you could. I we we were um, several times in our early early togetherness. We had gotten together very. Um, very suddenly and almost without warning, I was in a relationship that was uh, discriminating. No, it was, what do I want? It was falling apart. It was, yeah. That, it, was disintegrating. it was disintegrating. This is, I, I, prayer, I, I'm telling you, this is HTO, uh, H2O in this class. But anyway, mm-hmm. and um, we got together very, very quickly and suddenly. And part of the way I was making my way through the world and paying the rent was I was a professional chess tournament director which, oh, cool. which meant that every saturday and every sunday i was left alone unsupervised <laughs> with a typewriter Ooh. Yeah. and uh, at one point we only had one really working typewriter but that's a different story anyway i went off one day to um, to a, a chess tournament and i came home and i was feeling pretty good we'd had a couple of um We'd had a couple of grandmasters show up from Washington in my my little uh, place in in um, north of Baltimore, and we had a couple of grandmasters show up, and we had a, a really good turnout. So I was feeling good. I came home, and Sharon said, "Before anything else happens, wait. I think I have. I think I have a novel." And I showed <laughs> I showed him a piece of paper, and that piece of paper had one line on it, and it, the line was, "The man who is not Terrence O'Grady." Had come quietly, which is the first line of Agent of Change. And it, have, it is a good first line. <laughs> yeah, and and I it, also had a full trash can. That was the other part of it. Is I was she she I went upstairs and there was a trash can that was full of wadded pieces of paper. At least I can hit the trash can. <laughs> yes, oh. and so so I looked at it and considered it a bit, and I'll go into a little more background after I I finish this. Bit, but I'll say first that I looked at it and thought about it and said, you know, I had a long day. Can I have a glass of wine? And she said, yeah. And so we poured each other glasses of wine. And I said, no, I'm afraid you've got a series here. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was a large bottle of wine. And we sat up all Sunday night and we plotted out seven books. Wow. Wait, so this definitely answers the plotters versus pantsers question. No, it does not. Actually, well, it starts us. I mean, to, yeah. when you say plotted out seven books, I mean, we're not talking synopses here, right? No, no. We're, the hand wavium is largely involved in that. Oh, I like hand wavium. When, yeah. when we're plotting. Um, um, basically, what we did was we said, okay, we've got your characters. And we 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 knew that. And Sharon was, was comfortable there. And I had, um, by various good fortunes, I, uh, I was... Um, fairly close for a while to Rogers Elosny. And I had been at Roger's house one day when he got a, um, he got something, some stuff in the mail. And he said, I've done it. I've done it. I said, you know, like surprise here, have another beer. I've sold seven books, seven books, one contract. (laughs) Oh, right. And so I already had an example in front of me. So to think of, think that, and of course that was the, uh, Amber. Amber. Right. Um, in fact, uh, not too much l- further down the road, I went over and he said, here, and handed me this sheaf of paper. Oh, dude, you got you got an early draft. You got uh, Lord of Light? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that that was later. I got 
I nine got princes. nine princes in amber handed to me. I just finished this. Nice. And that was Steve. I just finished this. Will you fix my typewriter? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things I did w w that I did is I used to repair his his typewriters. But that's, oh, that's, that's say, another another story. Um, but Sharon and I had this this thing going and, and she said, no, um, this is what I have. And what we did was we looked at the major characters and we sort of talked out uh, the major the major power groups. And we knew that Con there were conflicts and all that and conflict. stuff. So we, we knew that she, that um, if Miri had been a, a soldier, but she was not a um, uh, she she didn't belong to an army per se. She belonged to an independent uh, group. And so we developed a whole bunch of, of things. We built the young mercenaries. We, you know, it was a great, great bottle of wine. Uh, nobody went to work on Monday. Nobody went to work on Monday. <laughs> nobody went to work. They gave Monday off. Um, but we, it also developed what we do even now is that if one of us has an idea for a story or a novel, we bring it to the table and the person <laughs> and, and represent it to the other. Ooh, like um, a pitch. I like it. I, well, a pitch, hand, hand waving, um, role playing, um, introducing the characters, you know, telling the funny bits if you have any funny bits. And then we'll start bouncing scenes off of each other to see if there's actually a novel here. Um, because if you're going to spend a long time with it, you might as well know that it's a novel. Yeah. How, how often do you find that it isn't a novel? Um, fairly frequently, but um, then it's a short story. Right. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, we, we've got um, the what is it we have done? Um, okay, so there's 25 Lee Aiden novels now. Yeah. I'm saying that with the with salvage right. with salvage yeah. right. with the we, page proofs sitting on the table. Yeah, the page there. the page proofs are in house, and um, mm -hmm. so with that with that being true, and there are also five collections of of Lee Aiden stories. I think there's 64 of those or something. Wow, in the 70s, yeah. We haven't only just written only written in the Lee Aiden universe, but that's the um, major that's the, major part of our work. And um, so the stories, the, the story ideas are there. And we've had a couple of novels that didn't that didn't work out right now, but became parts of other novels. And we've had uh, at, at one point, uh, Sharon was working on a short story <laughs> and it was it was we'd already written two. Yeah, we'd already we, written, we'd written. Well, we'd written two. We, we wrote the one. Quote unquote Harlequin, but we, we had written Agent of Change, and while we were waiting for publishers to get back to us about yeah. Agent of Change, I sat down to write a short story. Mm -hmm. And um, 60,000 words in, we stopped yeah. calling it the short story <laughs> and called it Conflict of Honors. And it became yeah. Conflict of Honors. And yeah. in the meantime, what had happened is that the uh, we had a very, very good editor in Owen Locke at what was then. Um, Del Rey. Del Rey, and he was the the editor, and he was right behind our story ideas. He 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 thought we were doing really well. And what happened is we turned in the first book, and Owen got a raise. He and got, got kicked upstairs. He got kicked yes. upstairs. Mm. <clears throat> he couldn't take any of his writers with him. Uh, mm. He he was like overseeing everything all of a sudden, and yeah. he and so that so, was. So you're saying that the the path to Success and fame and glory and hundreds of books did not necessarily happen overnight. Um, no, no, we we sold because of we because sold three books. We sold three books quite easily. 
Yes, and Del Rey um, then cut us loose. They did this to a lot of writers back in the day. Mm. Um, and we waited around. Now, if you talk to Steve, it was seven years. If you talk to me, it's 10 years because Steve is an optimist and I'm a pessimist, um, waiting for the rights to revert. But we didn't stop writing while we were waiting for that to happen. We stopped selling, which is a different yeah. thing. Right. Because um, nobody wanted a quote-unquote broken series. Oh. So when... Steve Pagel at Misha Merlin called poor man. He only wanted to, he was calling us to get permission to reprint the first three books in trade paper. And that's and, the only thing he wanted. And we said, but we have seven books. <laughs> and he said, wait a minute, you have seven. Well, we've got that. And then we've got the, the four more. Four, four more, most of which are really in, you know, they're written. And he was on the phone with us and he said, you know, I'll take them. Wow. Oh, cool. Nice. The receiver. And you go, yeah. excuse me. He said, no, no, I will take them, but I don't want you to answer me this evening. Um, I want you to think about it. You call me back, um, what, Monday. Yeah. And that weekend we had the ice storm of the century in Maine and all of the wires went down. The phone was gone. Um, we didn't get power back for a week. Oh, wow. And w when the phone, came, when the electricity came back on, we did not call Steve's mom. We called Steve Pagel. <laughs> And it's like, I was getting a little worried and I was getting ready to go on to the next person. We go, Whoop! <laughs> but so, yeah, we what happened in the whole the whole thing of how did these things grow is that once they started, once the stories um, got there, we knew we were working in a universe rather than a series. And this mm. was important because it gave it gave us permission to large cast of characters. It gave us and it gave us permission to think about uh, what had come before in ways that we didn't have to encumber particular books with. Uh, we had known from the, the initial, uh, from the initial seven book right up on a Sunday night that there were actually at least two books previous to that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're familiar with the Lee Aiden universe at all, that those would be the crystal books. The crystal books. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we were not old enough to write the crystal books. right? Yeah. We, <laughs> We we didn't no we did not feel comfortable um trying to get in um that close to to characters that we were going to be working with and and know their fate that uh and their their fate was preordained because they'd already you know they'd already it had already happened yeah yes. so and, let me ask a, a bit of a technical question sure. and and personal question in its own way I suppose I've seen a lot of there's there's been a whole bunch of I finally got my rights back. At least I seem to have seen a whole bunch of them across the internet. Do you ever, before you send them off somewhere, do you, do you stop and look at what you wrote, you know, mumble, mumble years ago, and do you change anything ever? Or do you just <laughs> know it was perfect? No, no, it's not perfect, but it's written. We, we, we're very much people, people who like to stick with the canon. Um, we have occasionally stretched what had happened before, perhaps. But we we do not um, we do not go in and and no it's no sense it's no sense doing that you've written it and you've gone on and you're writing other things now and, and, and there's no shame in your history and and I think we that, were all baby writers <laughs> and <laughs> the, the other thing of uh, and I'm not trying to say this to be mean but um, we do not retcon um, we're yeah. not writing comics we're not we're not a new editor taking over who who. Um, you know, and and um, actually, that happenstance, the the retconning of things, put me off a of comic so bad. I don't, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so can we can we talk about the technicalities of writing together? Um, I mean, I take it you don't sit in a room and argue it through sentence by sentence. Um, uh, no. So are there books that are more one of you than the other, or? Yes. Um, remember, we were talking about the um, the traffic cop um, situation where the person who has the idea pitches it. Yeah, pitches it. That person um, is the lead writer, or as we call as we call it, the traffic cop. Um, and in case of disagreements in the plot or the characterization, each of us has a vote, and the traffic cop has the tiebreaker. And we have used the tiebreaker three times, I think, and. In our career, and one was mooted by Ian McCaffrey, so that only makes it twice. Yeah, we we um, um we one in, we had one later. one book that I was I was um kind of lead on, and um no what, what no I, that was mine that that no. one that part was yours that's that was, right I, I, I had I had a book we were writing Plan B as a matter of fact and um I had I was reading it prior to sending it off to, to Steve Pagel and. Said to Steve, read these, read this bit here because I think this scene really drives, really slows down the action. He read it and said, well, no, seems okay to me. And I slept on it, got up the next morning and looked at it and said, no, no, it, it just drags, it drags. I'm taking it out. So I took it out, compiled the file, sent it to, sent it to Steve Pagel. In the meantime, there's a letter in my um, email queue from Anne McCaffrey and she's saying, what are you doing? And I said, we just turned in plan B and she said, send me a copy. So I mailed her a copy. Emailed. Emailed her a copy. And it was literally the next morning I had just gone in, started the coffee, gone in, got the email down. There's a letter from Anne. She said, I loved it. But ah. there's but there's a scene missing. <laughs> and she proceeded to tell me where it was. Yeah. Where it wasn't. Or where yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. And I she said. So I explained to her, was that, you know, I took it out to make weight. And she said, send it to me. So I sent it to her. I went down the call, hall, got my coffee, came back. There's a letter from me, and it says, put it back. <laughs> <laughs> now, we had just sent this book off to the, the publisher that morning. So email again. Oops, wrong draft. Hold on. <laughs> um, but see, that was one of the books that, that went. Sharon went through, did did the let's call it a, a rough draft, the first draft. And then I went through, and it's the way it works sometimes. I was doing, um, uh, there were a lot of mercenary action. There was mercenary action, and there was a lot of flying in it. And that's some of the stuff that I do. I, yeah, it, I, I don't think in four dimensions. So I, 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 I do do those scenes, and I, I uh, sometimes, not always. Okay. And um, in, in this case, I, I had, and so I had gone through, and the scene that had gotten removed had been it was an exposition scene in the middle of all your beautiful flames. Yes, and <laughs> and it was it sort of, but it was necessary to to cap it, and um and uh, so that's why you know I I yeah I we ought to have it. And, uh, yeah. So um if if Sharon is writing the first draft, um do you put Steve I need a battle here. Or do you actually sort of rough it out yourself and, and leave, leave it to Steve to... Ah, um, well, this is this is part of... The other part of the system is in, or, in order to keep ourselves honest, um, we put the day's writing at the side of the... Um, at the uh, other person's place on the dining room table. Okay. 
and they read it. So, and, and so we're we're current. It, um, yeah, pretty much current. We we we're yeah. talking about it and um, look looking at it. And there there are times when say, would Sean say that? Yeah. Does it have to be said? If it has to be said, does so Sean, Sean have to, to say, say it? <laughs> and and <laughs> Sean has to say it. If, if something has to be said, Sean's going to say it. Um, but 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 things like that. So and you have to understand that we're um, we have no children. We have the cats. We have our writing, and that's basically we've been very fortunate that we live in a fantasy world, and we have been doing for many years. But our neighbors even know us. There's a code word we use. We say story stuff, and everything stops because an idea has occurred. <laughs> this can even happen in the grocery store and um you know spaghetti sauce aisle and you're you're looking for for food and one of us says story stuff and we stop to argue at a, a point of action <laughs> and the neighbors come by and say sharon steve and you can get what they want and wander by um so everyone's used to us by now and yeah it, it's it is we've we've gotten so used to it and we're we're generally relatively quiet about it we had one one scene where um, we we're Sharon intimated that we often <clears throat> pardon me. We role play. Yes. Uh, we role play, and in this case, it was over the um, kitchen table in the old house, pardon which me, had very, 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 very. It was war housing, and it had very thin walls. You could actually hear the guy next door yell at his wife to bring him a sandwich. <laughs> and you could hear you could hear his razor in the morning and stuff like yeah, that. Okay. And it was it was that that kind of a place, but we were generally. Um, fairly quiet and at one point we, we were, were working on an argument yeah we were working on an argument and i said no but that's not how it's going to go and she said well no it's going to go kind of going to go like this and she took her fist and she slammed it down on the table saying rock the passage and everybody for three apartments around <laughs> kind of shut up it. wait this <laughs> We could hear ears going to the walls almost uh, after we realized what had happened. Um, so, you know. Um, well, Sharon, you've written outside the uh, uh, Leaden Rippers too, haven't you? You've done a couple mysteries, some fantasy as well. I have written two um, almost cozy mean mysteries, um, Barnburger and Gunshy, um, which were met with um, great disinterest by the mystery field. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wrote a trilogy. A fantasy trilogy. We can't call it urban fantasy because there's only one urban area in Maine and that's Portland. And these take place in a place called Old Orchard, Old Orchard Beach, which is a, res a resort. So it's like a small town near-term fantasy or something. And they were fun. I love Old Orchard Beach and it was it was great to be able to um, live in it. So how, how different did it feel writing a solo novel as against working with Steve? Uh, it has. Living in a house with another writer. Do not talk to her about what you're doing. <laughs> there is no such thing. Anyway. There is no such thing as a solo yes. novel. <laughs> we we um there were part of what could happen in that case was that Sharon would would be able to know what she was having for lunch or dinner ahead of time. Yes. Because um <clears throat> part of what was going on at that time is that I had become um was I I wasn't SRM publisher yet. I was I okay, I was SRM publisher. I had my own small publishing house for a while and we put out chapbooks and we put out some trade papers, we put out some hardbacks. Um we were um most of the material, much of the material was our own, but it wasn't all. And um so I was doing that and that meant uh, and and after a while too I was um 
moving some books that were left over from the Misha Merlin dissolution. Yes. And uh, how, how you got how, how, how that collapse affected you. Um, but that may be a story for another day. Well, it, it's it, it it's very complex. Yes. But, but it, in essence, we were I was doing that. But that meant that if I happened to be home from this from I had an office, I actually had a warehouse in in town that I was working out of. And I'd come home and um, I could that meant that Sharon could know that she was having whatever I would fix for lunch. And and so and she didn't have to. I, I was not not doing, you know, I had staff. Yes. Um, and we were both working, well, you were working at SRM. I was, when Misha Mellon collapsed, we were both writing full time and we realized very quickly that we were going to need health insurance. Um, so <laughs> I went, as my coworkers like to put it, back to work at the um, local Little Ivy College as the secretary in the history department, um, thus ensuring that we would have um, health insurance. And at that point, Misha Merlin. We didn't know if Misha Millam was going to go bankrupt and take the lead in the universe with it. Um, so we sold two dark fantasies to Bing, Dwayne Fay and Long Eye. And we were also giving, writing and giving away a novel on the internet that was fledgling. So all this stuff all at once. Yeah. And, and um, I would come home and work on the dark fantasy, which was good. It was a relief after working at the college all day. And Steve was writing a chapter a week for fledgling, oh, fledgling. To, to be posted on web for free. And um, in, in, be, in between there, I had an, a, a real adventure. We had discovered that um, from, from a friend that Misha Merlin was supposed to be emptying its warehouse. And what they were going to do was anything that was left over in the warehouse after a particular time was going to be pulped. And um, which was good, but Steve, yeah, Misha Merlin never went bankrupt, so our rights came back to us. Yeah, they, but the other thing that happened is that they were just closing down and everything was going to be popped, and there were lots of books in that place. And I ended up going to um, leaving leaving Maine by by um, train and going to Atlanta. And as I was on my way to Atlanta on take driving coach, I love the internet, I was selling book features on the internet. Um, among Leiden fans and other people, anybody who would stop by to look. Um, you know, buy if you buy a book, Steve's going down to pick up all these books. If you pre-order one of those books, he's going to pick up and PayPal me the money. We can buy Steve dinner on the train. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 really did happen. And part of what was going on at the time uh, is that when Partners in Necessity came out in hardback, that was a re the reprint of our first three books. He had he had decided had Steve that the best bet was to uh, to to publish them as a, as an omnibus, but it was a quite a hefty omnibus. Uh, he he had done it all in acid free paper, and it was meant to last. And he was selling them back then for fifty bucks for fifty bucks. Wow! Because he, it was considered to be a, a specialty item, you know. It was. <clears throat> well, what are you two working on now? What's keeping you out of the streets and bingo halls? Uh, I'm, wor I'm working on the book that I should have worked on when we wrote Savage Right, um, but Savage Right took over my brain. It's the sequel to um, Trader Sleep. It doesn't have a title yet, and it's about 60,000 words in. <clears throat> Pardon me, and I'm about um, 45,000 words in on something called Trade Lanes, which is a Just the sequel the to, sequel to to, to fair to, trade, to yes, fair trade. Um, and that is what people are asking for as a Jethry book. And in effect, uh, the Crystal books 
led into the major into the major series and uh, the the seven book arc. Uh, if you go back, and then we had dropped Jethri in. Jethri was a few hundred years before the 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 quote current time, and we'd done one book which worked out very nicely. We the whole story came together very strangely in the first place because someone asked us to write a, a short story. And then the, that became a novel eventually. And um, then we, we had a follow-on book and then another one happened and I'm working on the, on the next one there. Um, so it's a, a, what happens as, as we discover is that um, every single character who has been one of our major protagonists and even some of our minor protagonists has a cheering section. And, we, talk, uh, we talked to one guy at Boscombe who said that since he's retired now, what he's done is he has gone through every book and taken and every short story and taken everything that Davios Felium has ever done and compiled it as one thing, one narrative line. So that he can always visit God. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> I have to admit, I cheated. I had to go look it up on Wikipedia and find out which one went where and how. So, um, I, I love these record keepers of the internet. I think they keep us honest. I can't imagine the devotion that that yeah. would take. Well, he 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 was helped um, among our fans. Somebody said, you know, there really ought to be a Leaden wiki. Yeah. And yep. and they said I said you know that would be really great but Why you know you there's a book there's a there's a, a book that needs writing and he said yeah you're right so he did and that <laughs> wiki is up to like 278 pages right now I think and um, so well, you're gonna have to send me the link to it so I can put it on the website for right. along with all the other things we discussed on this episode <laughs> sure sure um, so we, but we've had we've had people who are who are enamored of of any of them and some some are Jeffrey fans and some are Theo fans and, and some and we get we do get email from time to time from people who um joined us with fledgling which introduces Theo lately and so they say to to you things like I've been with you from the beginning I started with fledgling and this this whole business with Theo's brother Valcon what is that even about who is this guy uh, <laughs> and we think you know um that's Cast your mind back to 1988 because <laughs> they discovered Theo in the two, late 2000s right. and uh, whatever. So, yeah, um, it it is one of the fun things of working in the universe, though, is that we do get to. I mean, we just uh, I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit. Uh -oh. Somebody said to us, you know, I've got a I've got an anthology coming up. And I wonder, would you write us a Leaden Universe Western? <laughs> and of course we said no. And so we have written a Leading Universe Western, and it's coming out in something called uh, The Last Train Out of Kepler. I don't remember the number. 483C, I think. <laughs> and and in, a, in another occasion, we were at a Worldcon, and a young lady came up to us and said, listen, Mike Mike is going to be putting together a um, an anthology with me. Okay. Yes. And um, and And I want you to write a story for this anthology. There are all those stories. In the anthology, you're going to be based on my songs, and I want you to write. I want you to write a story based that's based on this house, which is one of my my own favorite songs. And so it's like, yeah, no no pressure here. Janice and mostly she was letting anybody write any story she wanted that was within her song universe. But she came to us and asked us to write a particular song, a book, or rather a particular story, story about a particular song. <laughs> 
I, I believe in you. Well, I, I'm going to have to ask, you're going to have to put an email together with all of these really cool links that I don't have yet so that we can put them up on the episode list so everybody that uh, can rush out and look for them. But thank you two so much for joining us today. This has been wonderful. We love the Leaden introduction. Thank you so thank you much, much for having us and for putting up with us. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty. It, it's encouraging, I think, for, for people coming after you to say, you know, smashing success may not happen on your first, but if you keep sticking with it, you will eventually have people that just say, can you write this or that or the other? And that's, isn't that kind of what success means? People can't live without your writing. Being able to do your writing, right? That's what that's, success means. That's the yeah. success. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support, Magic, is brought to you by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spiders, David Welsh. Our intro music and exit music are both by Michael Langberg. You can hear more from Michael Langberg at manyhatsmusic.com. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks.